The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As we constantly move forward, there's a continuing and urgent need for higher education. It's necessary for tomorrow's future and for a dynamically changing workforce. As the need for education is changing, so is education itself. Welcome to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education with your host, Dave Goldberg. In this program, we'll discuss the complex changes that are being made to higher education today, and we'll help you stay ahead of tomorrow. If you're a student, educator, or in the workforce. Now, here's Dave Goldberg. Good day and welcome to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. My name is Dave Goldberg. I'm your show host and Big Beacon is a movement to transform higher education at bigbeacon.org. In every episode, we explore some of the innovators and innovations that are changing the world of higher education all around us. And you can follow live tweeting of the show at hashtag Big Beacon Radio. And I'd like to thank the tweeter. So uh, Emma Schoenfellner is tweeting live, and uh, last week she uh, filled in as guest host. Thanks, Emma. And Selma Bernie uh, filled in as the live tweeter last, last week and want to thank them them both for their uh, service. And uh, today we've actually got a really nice lineup from across the pond. Uh, we've, we've got some folks that are working on a, a change initiative that uh, is, is shaking things up in Europe. And uh, we'll start by welcoming the uh, dean of that program, Jennifer Herrick. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you very much, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to have you here, and and uh, we met each other. I, but I think it was in 2013, so it's been a while, and and um, you've been doing good work on on this program since then. But you're you're dean of what's called the University College Twente in the Netherlands, and you're a professor of physics at the University of Twente in Enschede as well. And our listeners can find out more about you on the program page, but. We like to get to know our, our guests a little bit, and so what, what are one or two things that our listeners should know about you before we uh, jump into some of the details of Atlas? Well, perhaps they can already hear it in my accent, but maybe it's important that I share that I'm actually an American transplant in Europe, originally from Wisconsin. I've been living on this side of the pond for 20 years already, stemming from what was supposed to be a one-year postdoc after my PhD, Um, but instead I I chose to stay and develop my academic career in in Europe, which was in in many ways a better fit to my character. Cool. And and, uh, yes, I I think, uh, yeah, so your accent is... is, uh is a tweener accent for me. I, I listen to your accent. I go, well, she sort of sounds American. And then I don't know, she sort of sounds European. So you've kind of, you've got a nice, maybe a nice blend there. But, and, and, and one of the things that, as you know, in the whole new engineer, Mark Somerville and I wrote about this notion of unleashing this idea that somewhere along the way, um, um, people who live wholeheartedly are sort of unleashed to, um, have courage to do things that they might not otherwise have done. And so I'm curious, what, 
what would you identify as unleashing experiences or or people who helped you unleash yourself uh, along along your uh, career journey? Well, there have been many along my career journey, but I have to say in, in the last few years, I really feel incredibly unleashed now in this mm. opportunity that I have in leading this college where I've been given um, a lot of freedom and a lot of space to define my role and my contributions now to the university through, through this university college. Yeah, for me, it's, uh, it's unleashing something that was uh, yeah, long suppressed, I think, that started um, with my own college experience and now the opportunity to bring that kind of educational concept here to Europe, to this program in the Netherlands, um, is uh, has been really, yeah, a thrill. Yeah, and and, and the and, one, yeah, you yeah, asked how that all started. I guess that that came really uh, well. This idea of uh, the the courage to un- unleash this concept that we have, which we'll we'll get into, the concept uh, approving this university college within the university setting. That was the rector of our university, Ed Brinksma, whom you also know, who was the one who really had the courage to get it started, an idea that had been floating around here on the university setting for a decade or so earlier, something that's really quite a contrast to the traditional undergraduate education here. Yeah, and I was, and, and, and you before you were talking about the roots of this in, in your own education. And so, and so unlike many people who go into STEM fields by hopping into either a public university or a large private, your, your experience was at a smaller, your initial experience was at a smaller liberal arts school for your undergraduate degree. Is that it right? Was. It yeah. was. Although originally fresh out of high school, I thought I was going to an engineering college, uh, uh, in fact, um, uh, a school of engineering not too far from, from where I grew up, until, uh, yeah, having some doubts about whether I was really ready to make that kind of a commitment, and I was encouraged to maybe first really develop myself and get an education, and I found that. Uh, I attended a liberal arts college in Wisconsin in the Midwest, and that was really pivotal for me. I was a chemistry major, and I took, of course, plenty of math and physics and, and chemistry um, at, at my core, but I also studied uh, philosophy and art history and um, yeah, a wide palette of things that really shaped me as well. Um, and, and that whole experience then I took with me when I went to graduate school. I did my um, master's PhD at Caltech, getting a PhD in chemical physics on top of that Bachelor of Arts degree with a major in chemistry. Yeah, and, and uh, so in many, in, in many ways, this is uh, the, the, the things in Atlas uh, are in some ways uh, an attempt to offer that kind of experience to young people in in the Netherlands, uh, um, in the context of a large public public university, so we so let's let's talk about University College Twente and the Atlas program. So um, these are fascinating initiatives. Uh, tell tell our listeners a little bit more about what they are. Yeah, so maybe first I should set the stage and tell a little bit more about the context of what a traditional undergraduate education. Sure. In, uh, in the Netherlands, in, in, in Europe, is where, where students apply directly to a study 
And in fact, all students who've, who've graduated from, from the proper level of high school, from the top level high school, are eligible to enroll into that study. There is typically no selection at all. So for example, I, I also uh, teach uh, and, and do my research in the physics department of the university here. And I was really struck when I saw a transcript of one of our uh, undergraduates uh, who was applying for master's programs. His, his bachelor's transcript contained math and physics and math and more physics. And even though our students are encouraged, uh, are, are required, let me say, to do um, a minor um, as part of their study, Many of them are encouraged to do that um, still in their, in their own field, to simply go deeper and go further. Uh, yeah, and and for, for many students, it's a good fit. Uh, our, our high school education is also different here, so students are a little bit further along before they apply to um, a university. But the sure. idea of the college, of um, providing something now, for students who had multiple talents and who wanted to develop those simultaneously in a broad interdisciplinary program in also more of a college setting in a, in a community of learners was something that, um, well, was quite unique. We weren't the first to start it. In fact, there's been a movement here um, in the Netherlands already starting some 15 years ago with the first colleges being um, sort of spun out of the universities. By now there are eight university colleges, all of them affiliated with a host university. And those colleges offer, are, are based on more of the American liberal arts and sciences model. And the first ones that appeared 15 years ago are, are, are very much based on that very traditional model of a liberal arts college. Sure. The more recent ones, including uh, ours, the University College Twente, is, has, has more of a profile, is different. So we offer a three-year degree program in technology and liberal arts and sciences. That's actually ATLAS. The A is silent, so okay. <laughs> the acronym is ATLAS with a silent A. And the breadth comes by being at the interface of technology and social sciences, so it's not a, a traditional liberal arts uh, concept in having, uh, in having also humanities in the mix, but it's still, it's, it's more in terms of its uh, concept in, in that it's really student-centered. It's based on projects. It's based on cooperative learning, cooperative teaching. It has a strong focus on, on personal development. And it's set here in, in really a unique community of learners in which the students as well as the teachers are, are selected. It's fully English taught. It's an international environment. So it's a, it's a different setting, but it's still, yeah, as I said, within, within the university as well. Yeah, and, and, uh, and I guess, you know, so it makes, you know, everything makes a lot of sense both in the context in the European context, and you know, so this idea of liberal, you know, liberal arts, we see around the world people bring you know to places that have had more narrow education. So, for example, in Singapore, the idea of bringing the liberal arts has gained some momentum here recently. The idea that this would be brought into engineering, though, still seems to me, and you know, tech, technology and and uh, to create kind of a new engineer, a new way, a new synthesis for engineering in the new th in the first three years is is kind of uh, special and unique, not just uh, in the Netherlands, but 
but globally. And I think I think another thing that our audience needs to understand is that this is all in the context of the Bologna structure. So you've got these bachelor's degrees that are three years long, and then you have a two, three plus two. Um, the two being a, a, a master's, of course, the, the arithmetic for that is three plus two equals seven for many students in the Netherlands <laughs> and elsewhere in Europe. Well, has been, but there's a, there's a big effort to change that as well. And that the three-year bachelor's indeed combined for almost every student with a, in the, in the sciences and engineering, a two-year uh, master's degree program, I think is also part of the secret to the success of a program like this because it mm. isn't standalone. Because students can combine a, a liberal engineering, a broad engineering kind of program still with the specialization of the master's program. Uh, which, which in my in my take is really the best of both worlds. Yeah, and I, I've been advocating this kind of architectural innovation to kind of break the back of whatever system you're in. If you're in a four-year degree program like the state, so three plus one or two could be something. And and I saw this also in Chile, where um, a five-year pro- hardcore, grinded out professional degree program was was split with three plus two where the three were innovative and and where the students were voting with their feet towards uh, that sort of thing. It seems like this kind of architectural innovation is a is is a really nice way to get to get more than one thing out of a degree to, to go beyond the narrow expertise and get and get some breath. So so what so so. You know, so what is the what is it? So it's at the interface of of technology and the social sciences. That makes sense. The Netherlands is 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 maybe the centroid or pretty close to the centroid of of interest in socio technical systems on a formal basis. And there's there's great philosophy of technology in in the country and and things like that that mm-hmm. that other places don't have. But 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 what's what what's the what's the three years in Atlas really about? So the three years in Atlas are are um, identified in, in different ways. First of all, in in the content, in that this this university college is unique in its profile, in that it is set here at the University of Twente, which is one of the three um, technical universities of of the country. And and keep in mind, we're that's that, that's three out of eleven. It's um. <laughs> It's a small country um, at this level of uh, research universities um, that, that we're talking about. And, and so this college is the first to appear at a technical university, and so of course it has a technical focus. Yep. But the University of Twente also has a long history in social sciences, yep. in programs like um, psychology, in governance, in management, in in uh, geoinformatics, and the combination then of engineering and those social sciences is the is the crux of the of the content. But what it's really about is then finding ways of, of integrating those ideas with large projects, which require both technical, technological, and social perspectives. So problems that come out of society, where technology uh, they're so complex that uh, that technology is, is 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 you know always part of the solution, or vice versa, trying to understand the impact of uh, new technology and how that affects our our society. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a there's a content foundation that that's very natural to its embedding here. But what's also very unique about this program is how we put students in the lead of their education, of creating their own pathway through 
this program. So it's, it's not our ambition to try and craft a comprehensive curriculum at that interface and hand it out to our class of students. Instead, we try and really recognize the diversity of our students and the diversity of their own interests and ambitions and try and put together then something that's really innovative, that really allows them all to contribute and all to learn from one another. Well, of course, you'll get no argument on this on this program about that uh, that approach and 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 how you know. So you've been doing this for three years. How has that that shown up in the different ways that students have been able to uh, use that opportunity to craft something that's that's uh, really for them? Are there some are there some salient examples that are, are that are interesting in in that regard? So they're beginning to emerge, as you, as, as you said it a couple of times, we're now in our third year, which means we're, um, we're really, we're about to reach, uh, to come full cycle the first time. Our first, yep. uh, students, the, our trailblazers, the, the class of 2016 are, are getting ready to graduate and to face their futures and futures that are really very diverse that yep. range from, Master's program. Remember, almost all of them will follow their study with a with a master's degree program. Sure. But those range from things like um, electrical engineering, applied physics, nanotechnology, to econometrics or philosophy of science and technology or management studies. So it's a it's a it's a it's a diverse group of students within and through the program who are now also all moving into different directions. So it isn't very different from a traditional um, undergraduate program here, which, yeah, produces electrical engineers or physicists. Of course. And who have uh, have all gone through the program precisely together for three years. Um, our students um, are, have, have followed very different and rich pathways, both within the college, but the beauty of this college is that it's set on the campus of the University of Twente. And so our students also are able to make use of all of the facilities, the faculties, the research groups, the workshops, the design space. Nice. In, in crafting their own program by taking elective courses in other bachelor studies, for example. Now I want to explore this in some more detail. We're gonna we're gonna take a break, and and uh, and when we come back, we'll um, um, we'll we'll actually bring a a faculty member and a student uh, from the program onto the show. This is uh, Big Beacon Radio with our special guest from uh, University College Twente and the Atlas Program, Jennifer Herrick. And in the next segment, we're going to bring in uh, a faculty and student perspective into the mix. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you want greater success in bringing change to your university, college, department, or classroom? Are you looking for a keynote speaker to inspire your organization with stories of transformative change? Would you like to boost your own academic, business, or technical career? Let David E. Goldberg of Three Joy Associates help. 
David is a leading speaker, author, trainer, and leadership coach with experience in helping bring successful change to educational organizations and education and technical careers around the globe. To learn more, call Dave Goldberg at 217-621-2645. Contact him at deg at 3joy.com or browse the 3Joy website, www.3joy.com today. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Big Beacon Radio. If you'd like to call into the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. 5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to deg at bigbeacon.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back to Big Beacon Radio. Uh, We urge you to get a copy of the book that is Transforming Higher Education, A Whole New Engineer, The Coming Revolution in Engineering Education at wholenewengineer.org. Um, and uh, and welcome back to uh, Big Beacon Radio and uh, our special guest uh, Jennifer Herrick from from uh, University College uh, Twenta on the campus of the University of Twenta. And um, in this segment, we want to bring in uh, two guests, a faculty member and and a student in the program. First, uh, uh, the faculty member, uh, assistant uh, professor uh, with a background in mechanical engineering, uh, Vessel Witz. Welcome to the show. Hi, Dave. Good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. And then we have a first-year student in the Atlas program, uh, Suhey Baslam. Welcome to the show, show Suhey. Hi, Dave. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to great to have you on. Yeah, great to have you on both on the show. And um, you know, so as we and we like to get to know our guests. So before we dive into some of the what's going on in in the very cool Atlas program, um, let's let's start with uh, you, Suhey. But uh, what one or two things should our listeners know about you before we get started? Well, um, I think a good starting point to know more about me would be to just know um, my greatest ambition, which is to to be this new engineer who is um, entrepreneurial, who is socially engaged, who is interdisciplinary, and who who wants to solve some of the most complex challenges that humanity faces today, and um, who really really wants to make a difference. I think um, that's the most significant thing that I would want listeners to know about me. Um, And apart from that, um, I am very passionate about playing my part in this engineering education, which means that I am um, involved in some of the the networks advocating for a big beacon and for an educational transformation. Um, And besides that, I love tech. I love tinkering, innovation, design, entrepreneurship, and making 
um, connections between these unrelated things. That's that's more than two things, but um, I, <laughs> I think okay. that's pretty much it. Well, and and I, I, I this uh, when I go around the world and I meet young people today and their aspirations, it's always so inspiring and and. Uh, uh, it also suggests that there's an urgency to the kinds of transformative experiences that Atlas and other programs are trying to bring about. It's it's so important that we uh, get beyond the the programs full of spinach uh, that uh, turn kids off to technology and engineering and and get to some programs that have a little bit more chocolate and a little bit more fun and I and also agree. a little bit more um, large scale purpose. So thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, those comments, and so, and so, Vessel, uh, uh, you you were uh, part of the core faculty at the founding of the college and 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 Atlas. Uh, what should our listeners know about you before we get started? Yeah, well, as you mentioned, I have a, a background in mechanical engineering, and uh, I actually followed the, the bachelor program here at Trent as well, which offers, of course, a broad foundation in mechanical engineering, but it's also a project-led education. And at the time, for me, this, this was completely normal, because uh, if you're in a program and it's project-led, then you think this is normal. But now, being a teacher and also looking at other programs, I see actually that this, this was pretty special, even back then. And I think it really... Yeah, it was special for me and also shaping me in my education. And later I did a master's in um, mechatronic design and then a PhD in integrated design. So then, yeah, it helped me also see that this design thinking um, is really something that runs uh, through my veins, I think. And I think I'm blessed now being also an assistant professor in the lab of design uh, to, to go f- forward even. And uh, one additional note that's probably sure. interesting for the U.S. listeners is that I also was an exchange student back in, high, in my high school times. And I, uh, I spent a year at Waitsburg, Washington State, at the Waitsburg High School, and I was class of 1996. But that's 20 years ago now. Well, we'll give a shout-out to all those kids at Waitsburg High and in the, in the <laughs> state of Washington. And so, uh, no, that's... All that's very interesting, and actually, the, the pro, you know the project-based and problem-based learning. You know, so there's uh, fairly early experience of that in in Europe, uh, and I don't mean to uh, diminish things that went on in the Netherlands, but I think uh, some of it traces to some of the early efforts at uh, Alberg in uh, Denmark. And um, uh, but I, I just came to understand that some of that actually traces to experiments in medical education that took place at McMaster University in the early 70s. And so, there, so it's interesting how these things kind of get passed around. And, and um, yeah, I guess it's also interesting that they're not, given how successful many of those efforts have been, that they're not more, more widespread. So um, I guess one of the things I want to know from um, – from the both of you is sort of so um both how and why did you get involved um uh, with atlas and um and uh university college venta uh, vessel let's start with you this time okay well i was uh already teaching uh, a teacher of design in the in our department in mechanical engineering yep. and one day i got a call from our program director uh to to, to come by his office and, and have a chat. And I thought he wanted to ask me something about some of the courses I was teaching. And actually, it turned out to be a pretty uh, interesting and open discussion on teaching as a whole. And he wanted to know my experiences because he knew I came from a project-led education. And uh, so he wanted to know my experience as a student and also as a, as a teacher now and what I was doing with my class. And um, But I didn't 
think that much of it until later, the same program director, Kees Ruiter, um, who was next to Jennifer, also one of the initiators of this new Atlas model and Atlas program. Yep. And uh, so I guess looking back, he was kind of seeing uh, what kind of flesh I was made of and whether I was a, a, good, a good fit to the program. Yeah. And then he asked me to join uh, this inspiring initiative. And, uh, well, I didn't have to think long because this was something that I really liked. Yeah, that was an easy decision. And you know, I, I think of it, you know, so in trying to gauge fit for these sorts of things, it's a, essentially a cultural fit. And it's in some ways more a matter that you use the term flesh, which isn't, it's actually is uh, kind of evokes a body, which is 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 right. We uh, if if we say that, do you have the head for it? I I rather think of it as having the body and heart for it. And and um, and there's certain faculty who have had experiences that make it easier for them to do this sort of thing. Um, let's yeah, I think turn- you're absolutely right that it comes down yeah. to um, to um, to something that you feel that you feel that you fit. It, it, you can't over rationalize something like this, and so we yeah. select our teachers uh, as much as we select our students based on their affinity for the concept, based on their openness to try something different. Yeah, nice. Let's check in with Suheb. Suheb, uh, what uh, what prompted you to get involved with uh, Atlas and uh, University College Twente? So um, my story is quite long, and I'm not going to bore the audience by telling the entire thing. But um, please don't. So it was basically in in my <laughs> but in my final high school years, I was I was lost. I had this this constant feeling. I wanted. I was searching for this true education that yep. I, that I wasn't finding anywhere. And then that led me to research what was wrong with education and what were people doing to fix it. And, and that somehow brought me in, in contact with Atlas and with Jennifer. And from Jennifer, um, uh, I was brought in contact w- with you, Dave, and with Big Beacon. And that brought me in contact with Jennifer again. And so these serendipitous con- um, um, connections somehow carved a path that just led me to Atlas because um, in, in, in the end, it just came down to, to the fact that it felt right. I there's this weird feeling that, that you get, you know, that this is where I belong. This is where I generally should be. And yeah. so that's basically how I ended up here. Well, and as that points out the importance of these networks that kind of lead, lead you back to something that's in the same, uh, in the same spirit. And, and so and let's continue with you, Suheb. So now you've been in, you've been, this is your first year and, and uh, you're nearing the end of your first year. What would, what, what, um, what would you say were some of the highest points, uh, the peak experiences for you this year? Okay, um, yeah. So to start with, I think the the personalness of the course it is it is just absolutely brilliant. From from the very first day that I was here, um, I had this feeling, and I was told that Atlas is about my personal development in every area of the course, my personal development in physics, in math, in design, in whatever I did, and. And that made me feel like that this is the course where I can make the course wherever I want it to be. And, mm. and this feeling of, you know, knowing that it's a blank canvas, it's a playground. Um, I have no one is setting any limits for me. Um, I can be ambitious and I can, I can just play and do whatever I want to do. This, this, this unique feeling of personalness, I think that, that I've really enjoyed. You know, you, you learn how to learn. And and that's that's something that I that I find really fascinating. The the entire philosophy of, of you know not having exams, not letting teachers tell you what to do, being the leader of your own education, yep. producing your own course. I think 
it prepares you for life, really. And, and that I really enjoy, feeling that I'm being prepared for life. Yeah. Vessel, what's, from a faculty perspective, um, uh, what, what's, it been like, what's it been like for you helping to get this program off the ground the last three years? Yeah, so far my experience has been great. And I think mostly also it has to do with working with uh, such a talented set of motivated students, as you can also hear from uh, for Sue Hape. And um, they really forced me to rethink what, what I'm teaching and what exactly am I doing in the classroom and what's my best role and, uh, and think about strategies to, you know, to get across the, the content of my learning goals better. And then rather than just lecturing, now I mostly teach in a kind of workshop format Yes. So I, I show them some theory or design, usually about design thinking, and then I, I, I arrange them in small groups, and then they work, and I walk around and observe, which is actually great. As a teacher, I don't teach anymore. I walk around and observe, and then I let them present the results to each other, and then I ask them to give feedback to each other, and, and I see the pitfalls they're making, and of course, before I start the, the, the course, I pretty sure what I uh, know what the pitfalls will be and then I, I engage with them and interact with them and once I have the feeling that they've got this portion down then we move to the next topic and and, and so we move through this design thinking course but and I, and I link it to the to the bigger project that they're in and I try to align the learning goals of my design uh, course with the semester project and then I really see the fit and then they really start applying it also so this yeah Forcing yeah. to think differently as a teacher, I think, is one of the greatest experiences I have in this program, which comes along, of course, also with the freedom I get as a teacher and the trust of the of the of the staff in me. Well, and that's in, that's a great point too. Sometimes we, th- you know, in the, in whole new engineer, we made a big point about trusting students and unleashing their courage. But there's a sense in which having something a little bit freer form and not having to detail complete coverage of topics is also trust in the faculty members and of course now and then listening to you both as you're talking about the the freedom and and the trust and the openness and I can just hear some of my conservative listeners uh, object and and they'll probably use the R word in their objection they'll say that's all very nice but uh, where's the rigor in this program and will and these are we creating engineers that will create will will design bridges that collapse upon uh, upon loading and things like that? And so, um, yeah, Vessel, let's start with you. How would you answer answer that those objections to this kind of learning that that it's not rigorous and we're we're basically uh, we've got kindergarten for engineers going on here? <laughs> well, at the end of the of, of the day, I mean, we're an accredited program, so at the end of the three years. They have a degree which uh, which we stand for, and, yep. uh, and is in line also with the learning goals that uh, that have put down for the entire curriculum and also for the for each of the semesters. So, with the entire teaching team, we think of the learning goals as a whole program, as as a college, but also per semester, and we we think really about how can we. Uh, align the teaching that we want to do with the learning goals of the semester and integrate this in a project-based uh, setting. And so it's not 100% freedom, but what the students do within the project, there's, there's the freedom for them. Um, but it is covered by the learning goals that we set out, and, and we see uh, part of it. So within each, maybe it's good to address how the semester looks like. So we have the semester 
has three domains always. One domain mm. is in the engineering domain, where yep. we have a, a course, for instance, on thermodynamics. Yep. And one domain is the math domain, where there's math content and math uh, courses. And then there's a social science domain, which could be psychology or, or another um, aspect of the social sciences. And so those are the three main courses that are given or taught. Um, and then we intertwine the three topics of the engineering, social science, and math into a bigger project. And especially within the project, that's where the students get uh, most of their freedom to, to design or to organize or to research and develop also these uh, kind of skills next to the, the classical or the, the, the knowledge content that we have in the domains. Yeah, nice. And, and uh, Jennifer, um, you know, so these are, you know, we're hearing uh, stories from, you know, one faculty member and, and, and one student. In, in what ways are, are these representative of, of other things that are going on in the program? Yeah, they are and they are not representative in the sense that, as I said, um, the diversity is, is key. Yeah. If you look at our, our core team of teachers for this program, we've assembled um, 12 teachers, half of them from the science and engineering, and half of them from the social sciences. So their individual expertise ranges from physics and mathematics and um, civil engineering, mechanical engineering, geoinformatics, but also to ethics and psychology and business administration. And putting those 12 very diverse cultures, individuals' cultures together in, in one setting um, is, is where all of this creative energy is then unleashed um, and and so Vessel is and, and isn't representative, and, and Sue Habe also. Um, when we're trying to promote our program and uh, the university would like to have one uh, role model student sure. that can characterize our program, we say, no way, it's impossible. Our students are also so diverse in terms of what they bring and, and where they are going. And if I can touch back on that issue of the, uh, the R word, sure. I think it's important also to note that um, we're not trying to create some fluffy, superficial level program that touches on a lot but doesn't go anywhere. The students must make choices, their own choices, and they do that, as I said, in, in also filling up um, elective space in the program by taking courses in other bachelor programs. They do sure. that also by spending a, a full semester abroad specialized for their own interest and own preparation. And so in the end, they are going deep. Of course, it still is a different kind of preparation than if you, if you study a monodisciplinary study. But I, 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 think, uh, I think there's no question that our students um, are, are indeed uh, capable of, of going the distance. What they learn, they learn well. Yeah, well, and I think, and I think we want to visit this in the, the next segment a little bit more. I think there's, you know, there's a sense in which uh, people think that it's either or, that you can either be soft or disciplined. And, and I like Barry Johnson's formulation of, of polarity management. These are... Softer discipline is not a problem to be solved. It's it's a it's a polarity to be managed, and and so what I hear going on at Atlas is a different management of the 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 
the rigor and the breadth in a way that is 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 hopefully productive for what the 21st century is about. Let's take a little bit of a break and we'll come back and talk about this is fascinating. We'll talk about this some more. This is Big Beacon Radio with our special guests from the Atlas program in the Netherlands. In the next uh, segment, we want to talk about what some of the lessons uh, learned are and and where the program's going. Uh, stay tuned as we talk about those things. the boardroom to you voice america business network do you want greater success in bringing change to your university college department or classroom are you looking for a keynote speaker to inspire your organization with stories of transformative change would you like to boost your own academic business or technical career let david e goldberg of three joy associates help David is a leading speaker, author, trainer, and leadership coach with experience in helping bring successful change to educational organizations and education and technical careers around the globe. To learn more, call Dave Goldberg at 217-621-2645. Contact him at deg at 3joy.com or browse the 3Joy website, www.3joy.com today. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Big Beacon Radio. If you'd like to call into the program today, please call 1-866-472-472. 5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to deg at bigbeacon.org. Now, back to this week's show. Well, and welcome back. And uh, get the coaching and deep faculty development you need to help transform higher education, especially engineering education at your institution at 3joy.com. And uh, so we're here on uh, Big Beacon Radio. And, and I, by the way, I should say that uh, I've been making something of a, a little bit of a mini tour of, of transformations uh, around the uh, around the globe, I've been in Brazil and uh, in Qatar and Canada here in recent weeks. And so, if if you have a program that's worth visiting, uh, let us know at deg at bigbeacon.org, and maybe we can come to your come to your campus and find out uh, the exciting things that are going on there. So we've got three uh, guests with us: uh, Jennifer Herrick Veselvitz and Suheb Aslam from the Atlas Program, the uh, three-year undergraduate program that combines engineering and social sciences in the what's called the uh, University College Twente on the campus of University of Twente. And in this in this segment, I want to I want to see where the where the program's going. And so, Jennifer, let's start with you. What, what, what are the immediate, you know, you're, you're coming to the end of your, your first cohort here. Um, um, what, are, what are some of the things you're thinking about going forward? 
Yes, it's an exciting time right now, coming full cycle, finish with preparing, preparing for graduation, and trying to shepherd our students uh, seamlessly into master's programs. And we're in the middle of that right now with students uh, with, with many deadlines for, for programs, master's programs right about now. A few students already accepted, but many still to go. Part of that challenge also reflects our innovative assessment in, mm-hmm. in Atlas in the sense that um, we don't do grades. We, uh, part, of our, part of our concept in, in terms of uh, encouraging more cooperativity and, um, the, and recognizing the diversity of our students that we simply cannot hand out an exam, the same exam to all, all, all students and, and assess them in the same way means that um, just like in the beginning of the semester when students make a plan for their learning, at the end of it, the students take the lead in the assessment by reflecting on their learning, assembling a portfolio of evidence of their learning, and that's then um, assessed in a, uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a manner that's rich with, with feedback, feedback on their achievements, feedback on their potential. And so in the end, we have um, a, a detailed transcript as well as a, a narrative assessment of each student's potential. And so using that to open doors into further graduate programs is what we're working on right now. Well, and bless you for biting that bullet. Even my friends at uh, Olin College didn't didn't take on the the uh, the G word grades, and <laughs> and so you took that on. And so, uh, what what's well, your experience with those assessments? Go ahead. Sorry, in many ways, we've been in, inspired by your friends, uh, our friends also at, at Olin College. Well, been, as, as uh, I have we all, and that, uh, I wasn't, didn't mean to criticize them, but I mean, that, that's, a, that's a big one, and, and to take on grades is actually a pretty darn courageous move, and you did it, and now you're, now you're seeing some of the first consequences of that, but from the, from the sense of students, uh, student assessment and, and learning, uh, you know, what, what, yeah, what have you what have you learned about that kind of assessment so far? Well, so in terms of courage, we knew that the only way we would ever pull it off would be to 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 go with it, to start with it. It's been uh, it's it's been um, yeah, yeah, we're still in the thick of it, and still um, yep. uh, and and we were still learning by doing it. Yep. But we certainly see a way that it, how it changes the way our students are motivated and how our students um, are, are, are helping one another to develop their fullest potential without ever any hint of competition between them, yeah. because there is none. There is no, no ranking. There is no, uh, they are so different. Um, and, and that's, it's, it's really quite nice to see the, the, the spirit here, the community, the cooperativity that you see here in, in, the, in the students, and also how our teachers have had to really come together to give up some of the sort of territorial um, uh, claims on their, on their own subjects and, and work together in creating holistic assessments of our students. Mm. Uh, it's an intensive process, and... We're still very much learning by doing it. Maybe Vessel can also uh, share how, how yeah, he has that Yeah, experience. let's check in with both uh, Suheb and, and Vessel on, on this process. So, Vessel, uh, as a faculty member, what's this, 
the no grading uh, with uh, you know heavy emphasis on evidence and portfolios and and narrative. Uh, how's that? How's that experience been for you? Well, so far, it's a really good experience. I mean, you you see the students every day, every week, and uh, you know them um, pretty well, also individually. So you have a pretty good idea of where they're going and whether they are. Uh, succeeding and, and excelling in the directions they want to dra- uh, go. Also, I'm a mentor of uh, of six of them in the first year, so I see those six even more often than and than the others. And at the end of the semester, so the students produce a lot of uh, material throughout the semester, and they hand it in to all the teachers. They get feedback from the teachers, and then they lock it in their portfolio. And then at the end of the semester, they they write their self-reflection report, where they kind of claim. Uh, that they've succeeded in learning what they wanted to learn by referring to uh, the stuff in their portfolio and also the feedback that has been given to them. Yep. And then as uh, we, we, we combine uh, with all the teachers that are active in, in one semester, we, we group together, we, we, you know, we book a full afternoon, and then we sit together. And then I think for usually 80 to 85%, there's no question about whether the student uh, should move to the next semester. Uh, so that's the, 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 the easy bit. Huh? So if we don't focus so much on grades, grades it's so easy to, to focus on the, the, the 85 or the big portion of the cohort and just let them go because they're doing so well. And, of course, the, then there's this uh, the, at the bottom section and at the top section, there's always a little bit of a discussion. So usually most of the afternoon is used on how can we get the students that are near the bottom, how we, get, how we can get them back on track, how can we help them. What are the best options for the students? And similar for the, uh, the top, so there is an option to get um, a pass with excellence uh, for one of the semesters, and that's also uh, where do we draw the, the cutoff. So usually most of the time, and I think that, that holds for any program, most of the time, uh, most of the time goes to the <coughs> ones near the bottom or near the top. Hmm. And Suhey, what, uh, what about your experience with this, this form of uh, assessment? Well, um, I personally think that since there are no exams, it basically make, means that I learn because I'm curious. I learn because I want to learn and I'm not doing it, you know, I, I talk to people from other programs and they're like, oh, I'm just doing this so that I can pass my exams. And, and we're not doing it because of that. We're doing it because we want to learn these things because we're curious. And, and on top of that, I've, I've also realized, you know, being in the system now, I've realized how uh, marks really mean nothing. If if I get an eight out of ten, it, it it really means nothing. But if I get qualitative feedback, it is actually enables me to grow uh, and and to see um, where I went wrong or what I what I did well. And I think that that feedback is is really powerful. And and all of this, you know, this this mode of assessment, um, it comes down to again learning how to learn. Um, I I I honestly feel that once I'm done with Atlas, I will not need any teachers. To, to sort of guide me to learn. I will, I will be able to learn on my own. And I think I, I'm learning that every day through this, mm. this mode of assessment. Yeah, and, and this is interesting. And, of course, a lot of this comports with, with modern learning theory. And then, and then, of course, there's also this, the issue of the 15% or so that are, that are, are not making it. Is, is, it the, is, it, is it the sense of the program that there's some portion of the 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 group that isn't ready for this kind of this much freedom and autonomy and would prefer the a, a greater degree of structure what what is it about the 15% not to focus on the negative side and the gaps but just curious what 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 you make of the 
of the people who are that are that are struggling a little bit with their their learning in this in this uh, fairly free environment. Maybe uh, uh, Jennifer or Wes Vessel, uh, why don't you hop in on that? Yeah, I can, um, I can hop in on that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. You go first. Yeah, we'll we'll get okay, you both. Well, Vessel, go ahead. It's, I, I remember one of the first things went on because we have. Um, when we start the program, the, we, Jennifer explained that in the normal Dutch system, students, if they pass their high school, then they're eligible to start their study. They can uh, choose whatever they want. But yep. uh, since we are uh, a university college, we get to select our students. And at the beginning, the students feel a bit frightened about this because they have to go through a kind of assessment to even join our program. But we, yes. then we tell the students, well, it's a two-way system. I mean, we choose the students that we feel are up for the program, and then and then we choose them, and they of course have to choose us as well. And yes. then it's a um, it's an it's agree- agreement between the both of us. So we will do our utmost best to bring those three uh, those students through the three years because that's what we agreed upon when we um, when we uh, at the beginning we selected them for our program. So it's not at all the uh, the idea to filter out or to weed out the, the good from the bad. Sure. But uh, it's to, to get them all through and, and find out what their exact um, way through the program is because there is so much freedom and some, yeah, they take a little bit longer to get used to this. Yeah, Jennifer, yeah, yeah, there is this 15%. So what, 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 what's, what's, uh, what's hitting, hitting them? Uh, how's, that, how's the experience for them? I think you see it really the most in, in the first couple of classes that we've had. And it's perhaps our own fault as well for, in the beginning, an inability to really clearly express what we are and what, we, what our ambition was. And that students, um, the, in selecting students, it, 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 it's, it's, uh, in the beginning, it's trying, to, trying to, to select students that you think will succeed in this program. It's a, it's a real challenge because sure. the best students on paper, on, 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 uh, you know, in grades, are not necessarily the best students when it comes to self-regulating their learning. And not all students um, are as, indeed, open or willing to do that. Some students uh, really want to be told what to do. And we're getting much, much better at um, communicating our message, our vision, and selecting now students who, who get that and who are open for that and who, who are eager to, to do, uh, yeah, as, as Suheb also explained, to, to really take the reins and, and uh, yeah, no holding him back. Sure, and, and and we could go on for much much longer. We've got about a, a minute left. Unfortunately, it's been it's gone very quickly. But uh, maybe uh, Jennifer, uh, what what else uh, in about a minute should our listeners know about about Atlas that we haven't talked to them about? Well, they should know how to get in contact with us. They should know that we're really open to learning from other experiences and cooperating with other like-minded programs um, around the globe, and we are active, thank you, through your network as well, Dave. Um, That students recognize the added value of a program like this, and um, if they're interested in doing something innovative and doing something also um, that that they are, we, we encourage them to check us out. What's uh, where's where's the uh, website they can uh, reach you uh, reach you on, or uh, email, or how can they get a hold of you? They can find us easily um, at www.universitycollegetwente.nl. 
dot <laughs> nl. Yeah. Right. Um, or via or via the University of Twente uh, homepage, they'll find the the link to the college within that. And that's great. And and of course, uh, Atlas is a, is a member of the Edu- Educational Innovators Working Group, a big beacon, and uh, Sue Habe's affiliated with uh, students, big beacon student for a whole new education. And if you're interested in either of those things, you can contact uh, uh, Jennifer and uh, Sue Habe uh, directly. I want to thank our our three guests for for joining us today. That's been fascinating. I continue to follow what you're doing with great interest. I think it's one of the um, the exemplary programs and and uh, that the, we're going to learn a lot as you uh, continue uh, continue doing what you're doing. So I want to thank Jennifer Herrick Veselvitz and Suhaib Aslam for joining us from from the uh, from the uh, Atlas program at University College Twente. You've been listening to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education with Dave Goldberg. Special thanks to those guests and help transform higher education. Join the movement to unleash a new generation of innovators by learning more at Big Beacon. Join us next week, same time, same channel, as we continue our quest to transform higher education. Thank you for tuning in to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Please join Dave Goldberg soon for another edition. Listen every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. For additional information about our programs or to find out about the next show, please visit bigbeacon.org. We'll talk again very soon. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.